0: Did you know that Jesus is wowed by some of you women? Because you're such women of worth in the kingdom of God. Uh, We're going to give a little shout out to our sisters. I'm not used to a camera. I apologize. That's going to distract me all day because my ADD kicks in and I'm just done. But I am an ADD preacher, so that's good for you. That means we go through a lot and a little bit of time and then we go eat. (laughs) <laughs> no hallelujahs there no amens oh okay okay just want to make sure the church was here and you were actually hungry a little bit you know let's look to the word of the Lord real quick would you go to St. John chapter 4 St. John chapter 4 we're going to read verse 1 and downward they'll help you with the Bible in the sky over here if you didn't bring your Bible everybody say thank you media team oh that was nice When therefore the Lord knew, I want to make sure, how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made, and baptized, made, uh, let, let me back up. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, they thought it was one thing, it was another. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he said he must needs go through Samaria. Nobody, just so you know, nobody goes through Samaria. No Jews would go through Samaria. Samaria's Samaria was a place that Jews didn't hang out because Samaria was where the dogs of the dogs lived. There were Gentiles that were... Uh, that got a girlfriend that they weren't supposed to have that was a Jew and then they had a Samaritan. So these are people that were not, not Gentiles and they weren't Jews, they were Samaritans and they were just looked down upon by Jews and they would go out of their way an extra space of time to go around Samaria. But Jesus said, I've got to go through it because I've got a plan. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which verse five, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of the ground of Jacob's Uh, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour or noon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For the disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Notice right there in verse 8, he sent 12 to buy lunch for 13. Hmm. He was removing their prejudice so he could get to that woman. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? Jews were not supposed to talk to Samaritans, nor to women. If I keep interrupting this text, we'll never get through it. But it's important that you understand that they didn't talk, not only in this culture, to women, but they didn't talk to Samaritans for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans she says it there and then verse 10 Jesus answered and said if thou knewest the gift of God everyone say the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee give me to drink thou wouldest ask wouldest, would have asked of him and he would give you had given you thee this living water everyone say living water I want to just focus for a minute on this story. I was praying over what to say, and the Lord said, go to this verse. He said, look at, look at the situation and share it with the congregation and talk to them about Jesus finding value and worth in women that others say are not worth anything. Amen. So let's pray together. Jesus, I ask you to open our hearts and our minds. Make this word live among us. Let it be planted in our lives. And we thank you for your living word. We're so grateful for all that you do in us. We ask you to bless the rest of this day in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. I have three short points today to share with you of how God is wowed by women. Shout out to our sisters today, amen. And even more importantly, our mothers who give so much to be what they do and what they are every single day, but even more importantly, are women in the church. And I'm gonna to talk to you about women of worship. I'm gonna talk to you about women of worth, and I'm gonna to talk to you about women of the womb. In other words, they are able to carry and give life. And those are the three things I wanted to hit today, but I want you to understand that in Scripture and in the church, sometimes we get a bad name when it comes to the text and people feel it's outdated because it seems to present women as second-class citizens. And you have to understand that Jesus chose to come into the earth when he chose to come into the earth. And so when he came into the earth, there was a cultural disparage or disparity or whatever you want to call it between men and women. They felt like women were not um, uh, smart enough or not useful enough or they were to be to be used as, a, in a way that they were they were to be giving giving birth and those and those those different ideologies that that have we have proven to be not true through the scriptures and we find out that the Church of the Living God in the first century actually were the first church that that promoted women and that put women into ministry and said women are to be equal not looked down upon and not looked as subservient spiritually nor physically but they are actually equals and even in Paul's writings you see places where people are are like, that's, that seems like it, it it is demeaning to women, but really what he was speaking to was the value of a woman and the placement of authority and the way that God chooses to show his authority through the structure of, the, of women and men and that we are the bride of Christ. And then that, that represents a woman that she is the bride of her husband and all of those different things that fit into the structure of authority in scripture. We have to dig a little bit deeper if you want to find treasure. Measures, amen you have to go beyond what it sometimes it can look like if you want to really find what is valuable in the kingdom of God and I want you to know that if you're a woman here today and if you're a mother even more so that you may feel like there are some things that have been buried or pushed down or you feel like you have been put put aside or even put put lower in in some areas but i want you to know if you feel buried by anything that you are a woman of worth to God and if if there's pressure in your life it's just because because he's taking you from that coal and he's pressure in he, that pressure, if you give it to the Lord, he'll make you into something very valuable. And the world doesn't understand that. The world doesn't understand that the pressure that's on your life when given to God will bring more value than harm to you. Yes, it may seem like there's hurts in life. And I'm looking down at my notes a lot because I want you to understand that whenever I'm preaching this message, it's not an easy message for me to preach because my mother made a lot of different mistakes, went through four or five different relationships. Three of them were marriages. All of them crashed and burned. I shouldn't have a wholesome marriage with my wife, and guess what? It's not easy because I had to work through so many things, and you maybe have come from a a relationship or a past where you had different people coming in and out of your life, and maybe your mother didn't make great choices, but of all all those things that I thought would bury me and and all those things, Things I thought would push me down and leave me from climbing to a place where God wanted me. I found out when I surrendered it to the Lord that he took that pressure and he made something precious out of me and out of my life. And that is why I want you to know that God uses women who feel like they are worthless. And God picks you up and says, no, you're not worthless. You're a woman of worth take the less off the end because you're so much more. I'll die on a cross for you. I'll give my life for you. You have so much value and you are so precious that when you come forth, you shall come forth as gold. And I will make you a great person. And so I find in the scriptures many places where in like in Matthew chapter 15 we see that Jesus went out of the city because they had done so many different things in the city. John the Baptist had been beheaded and they had elevated the teaching of these these religious leaders called Pharisees to the point of scripture and they weren't scripture. They were they were not even close to the the authority of the word of God, but they had elevated their own teachings and so Jesus has been arguing with them and dealing with them and so he leaves and he goes to a place called Tyre inside and Sidon. he meets this Canaanite woman and this Canaanite woman after she falls down and worships him. The Bible says that he even that Jesus kind of speaks to her classification in those in that culture. And he talks to it a little bit in verse twenty five of Matthew chapter fifteen and we see it on the screen. He says, Then came she and worshipped him, saying Lord, help me in other words, what he was dealing with was he was he was trying to help her but he didn't he didn't feel like he needed to at the moment he wanted to kind of test the woman's uh, resolve and so she was misunderstood she was she was worshiping him even though she didn't seem to be wanted and then you notice that in scripture that she has several instances and he says no he basically ignores her re- her re- requests of coming and healing her daughter and so whenever he ignores her request she still worships him in other words she was a woman of worship amen somebody she was a woman of worship. That was her primary goal was to find Jesus. She had a need that brought her to Jesus. But when she got to Jesus, her primary goal was to worship him. So he said, it's not meat that I that I help you. Or it's not, go to the next verse if you would. He said, but he answered and said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. That's rough. That's a savage Jesus right there. He said, in, in, the, in this culture, this woman is, of Canaan is considered a dog not even worthy to be talked to by a Jewish rabbi in fact it was unlawful and unright for a man to be speaking to a woman even in their culture regardless of her status but he calls her a dog and then in verse 26 it says in in that culture that they were doing things that 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 she they shouldn't be doing already having a conversation but then he insults her the second time and says no I won't give the crumbs of the master's table to dogs and she said truth Lord she's like that is true that is the culture that is what this world currently thinks even in their unevolved understanding and their mesogenic understanding of what women and men are it was so messed up she said so true that is true right now but yet dogs uh, eat from the crumbs which fall from the master's table and if you look at the next verse so she's been insulted twice and she still says that is truth but I still worship you in the next verse verse 28 says this if you have it if you don't I'll read it maybe i didn't give that to them i apologize but anyways in the next verse she gets her she gets her answer and he says and then jesus answered and said unto her oh woman in scripture it's like jesus saying wow what a woman of worship What a woman of worth, that she would not let culture insult her, not let the position that culture had in those days insult her. But she said, my worship to God is more important, and my worth for this need is more important, and I'm going to bring worship first. And because she worshiped him first, she got her miracle second. He said, O oh, woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto you as, as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that hour forward because she was a woman of worship. Everyone say a woman of worship. And he said, great is your faith. There's only a few places in scripture where Jesus actually formed those words, great is your faith. And this is one of them. A woman of worship was given that title because she wouldn't be moved she needed something, and she worshipped God till she got it. My mother-in-law says something very powerful. She said, "Prayer is an acronym. If you do this, you'll see God move in a very special way. But if you push, uh, if you push, pray until something happens. If you just pray until something happens, if you're a woman of worship and you just keep praying until something happens, God will change it for you, and you will see great things happen." I pray silly prayers. I pray prayers that people don't normally pray. We had this outbreak of ladybugs in our house. <laughs> I I hate bugs. I just absolutely hate bugs. And they were they they had somehow gotten to the attic and they were coming out of some vents and and it was just like I was I literally couldn't sleep at night. And I finally was like, okay, we got to call the exterminator. This is how it's going to be. We're going to need to get an exterminator in here. And so I finally just said, you know what, I. I I pray crazy prayers, and I have a lot of faith to believe a lot of things. Why don't I just believe God for this? So I started cursing stink bugs. I started cursing Asian beetles. I know. Look at me crazy all you want. That's okay. But I just, I said, if you created them, you can take them away. Go give them to somebody else. I don't know. Bless the backyard with Asian beetles. I don't know how to do this. If you don't take them, Lord, I'm killing them with the Orkin man. That's what I'm going to do. (laughs) So I was like, in Jesus' name, I curse you from wherever you're coming from. I just curse you. You must leave. And the next day, we had a bunch of dead bugs. I'm vacuuming up up a bunch of bugs, and I'm just like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. Stink bugs no more. (laughs) You shall not resurrect in Jesus' name. (laughs) You've gone to the grave, and then they haven't come back. So I don't know what that's all about, but maybe, maybe, just maybe. I had praise enough faith to believe for something silly. I've prayed over cars to work. I've left I've left here and walked out and prayed over vehicles and then had people go to a mechanic and have them say, I don't even know how you got here. The ball joint on this thing is absolutely deteriorated when I took this vehicle apart. I don't even know how you didn't turn over a wreck and destroy yourself on the freeway, but you got there and back and made it to different places. And there, some people come back and say, well, pastor, remember when you prayed over my car? Well, it's still going or it's still working or this is happening or that's happening. i believe enough in God that there's there's women in this room right now that have prayed prayers over their children and things would have happened but there was a mother with worship and she had a need and she came to God with it and when you do that God does things that seem to be uncommon and unorthodox but he takes care of us, amen? And sometimes he does it through a woman that knows how to worship. And then there's women of worth. They're going to make a difference regardless of who says they can't. They're not going to live in the shadows. Anybody know a sister like that? They're going to make a difference. They're going to take their place in the kingdom of God. Any women willing to do that today that say his work is going to be done on the earth and I'm going to be a part of it? Are there any women of worth in the house today? Amen. It shows that in scripture that our sisters have been used mightily by God. And and regardless of what people say about the text in the places where Paul preaches about women should be silent in the church, you don't understand that was a specific situation that was taking place in a specific church in the book, in, in the scriptures. And so I want you to understand that when he was, when, when there's places that don't quite line up, you need to not take the text out of context. You need to make sure that you understand what you're reading and how it fits to the overall picture. He was not saying that women have to be silent, nor do women have have to be subject to men he was not saying that he said women are to be submissive to their husband and I don't know any woman that's not willing to work with their husband if he loves them like Christ loved the church that is the format if you will love your wife like Christ loved the church she's willing to work with you amen so that is what the scripture actually says. It doesn't mean that women are subservient in any way, shape, or form, but that actually women are very powerful in their ways of using uh, the and in, in being used in the kingdom of God. And in fact, the scripture shows us that women in scripture had equal access to Jesus Christ. You need to know this because there are people that will to- distort the word of God and say, well, women are, are, ought to be submissive. That's not what the scripture says. Women, say, they are to be submissive or, or to, to be submitted to their husband, but the scripture nowhere ever says that women are to be submitted to men. The Bible says women are to be submissive to their husband, and I've already set that up for you. You understand that if you love a woman, and you treat her right, and you don't treat her like a rug or, or, or some sort of side, side secondhand person, but you actually pull her on alongside of you, and you make plans together, and you do life together, that she will work with you. That is what the scripture actually means. It says she is to be submissive or, or to work with her husband, not every man. So that does not preclude her from preaching the gospel in the church. That does not preclude my wife getting up here and preaching an amazing message while there are men listening in the church. That is not what Scripture says. The Scripture says that women can be used of God. In fact, Mary sat at his feet, and the things that Jesus said about Mary when she sat at his feet was that she chose the needful things. She chose the good part, amen? Amen and that sinful woman you were, you know that sinful woman she didn't even have a name but she anointed Jesus's feet with her hair and then she she broke that alabaster box and then she wiped her wiped his feet with her hair you know the other woman that's noted here in the scripture that I brought to you that she found Jesus at the well and I like to note that the well was sitting on the well when the woman came to the well amen She didn't know who she was talking to. But whenever she got done, the the scripture said that the father is looking for women just like her. That know how to worship in spirit and in truth. There's women all over the scripture that talk about, that have access to God. The woman I just read to you in Cana. And he said, oh woman, wow, great is your faith. The gospel is preached. Wherever you see the gospel preached, there are women as key parts of the church. Someone said amen. Amen. If you don't know that, let me share with you just a little bit. Even though in our society, statistically, more abuse is found on the female side than the male side, more often, maybe even skewed a little bit, but more often we see that women bear the shame and the struggle of things that are going on. And you even see that in scripture when the woman taken in adultery is brought to the feet of Jesus. She, the Bible says she was ca- caught in the very act, which makes me wonder, where is the guy at? Takes two to tango, right? Hello, somebody? I, I don't say that to be rude. I'm just saying that. Why didn't they bring the man to Jesus as well as the woman? Because in their culture, it was easier to pick on a woman because of the way the structure was set up. But Jesus did not do that. Jesus did not pick on her. In fact, he said, where are your accusers? When he stooped down and began to write in the sand and they dropped the rocks. He said, "He, you who have not sinned cast the first stone. And as all the rocks fell to the ground and they walked away, Jesus said, where are your accusers? Where, Wherever they've gone, I don't accuse you. I don't condemn you. And I want you to know, regardless of the shame and the places that you've come from, Jesus's words are the same as the church today, especially this one, that we do not condemn you. Whatever you need, Jesus can pick you up. He can give you life. He can give you forgiveness. He can give you help. He can give you power over your sin. He can do all that. He can make you a woman of worth again, regardless of what anybody says about you. You need to live above the label of this world because Jesus put a higher label on you. He said, you're worth my life. Amen. We are women, and I'm so grateful for women of worth. Jesus welcomed women among his disciples. Did you know that? Do you know that there was disciples in the early church that were women? Luke chapter 8 tells us, and certain women, Mary, Joanna, Susanna, and many others were listed in Luke chapter 8 as disciples. Did you know that there's the formation of churches in the book of Acts? And everywhere where you see the church, a church, a new church being formed in a new city, there were women that were key, key parts of those churches being formed? I know this seems like a Bible study right now, and I apologize, but let me get through this. If you look at the formation of churches in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, it says they were in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary. And then Acts chapter 2 and 17, it says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Not just your sons, but your daughters shall prophesy as well. Then if you look at the, church, the start of the church in Jerusalem, Jesus, help me speak today. <laughs> if you look at the start of the church in Jerusalem in Acts 5 and 14, it says, there were added to the, to the Lord multitudes, both men and women. Yeah. Scripture wants you to know that God was wanting to record not just the men which in some places in Scripture, they don't even record them. In the feeding of the 5,000, they said there were men, women, and children. They wanted to make sure you understood how many people were there, but in some places in Scripture, they don't even list the women or the children. They only list the men. But in in the book of Acts, when you see churches starting, the, the, the scripture wants you to know that there was a powerful move of God that took place in a city. And it wasn't just the men, but there were women of worth there that knew how to pray over people and prophesy over people and speak the truth and live, and live holy lives. And so the start of the church in Philippi, we see in Acts 13, 16 and 13, it says, they spake of the women which resorted there. In other words, they, they referenced the women, Acts 17 and 4, the start of the church in Thessalonica. It says, a great multitude and the chief women, not a few. There was not a few of them. And d- So we see in the, in the places of Thessalonica and these other Philippi, and you may not even really know where those places are, but I want you to know that anytime there was a move of God, there was great women of worth there. In Acts 17 and 12, we see the start of the church in Berea and it says many of them believed also of honorable women. I want you to feel the weight of the word today. I want you to understand that God has a wow in his spirit when he sees women, even mothers that walk with God. Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know that Jesus cares about you? Do you understand how much he's willing to make known the women of God in scripture so that you can point back to the word of God, the very mirror that we're supposed to live our life by and you can look into and see women who were called of God, who were powerful, who worshiped, who taught Bibles. to. Studies, who lived lifestyle convictions, who were able to bring pre- the presence of God into the midst of worship services and who had change and f- affected the church. I want you to know that there are great women of worth in the scriptures. Everybody say women of worth. How are you doing so far? Is this all right? All right. For a Mother's Day sermon, I'm being a little bit preachy, I know. Like, do they yell all the time? Is that... Is that what they do? I'm excited. And, and I can't help but be excited because I have to share with you that I, I didn't have everything given to me the way that others may have had the opportunities that were afforded to them. So for me... My mother may have made a lot of mistakes, but she did all the right things for the Lord. She she made sure her kids were in church every Sunday. She made sure the word of God got into our hearts that we might not sin against God. She made sure that we knew that the most valuable thing in our life was a walk with God. She didn't, she didn't mince anything about her own personal life and the mistakes she made. She just said, I'm so glad it's under the blood. I'm so glad my mistakes are covered by grace. I'm so glad I don't have to live in, under the pressure of all those things. I don't have to live with the emotion and the pain and the scars. Eventually, I tell you that God will bring you out. If you trust him and you put everything into him, he will wash you and make you new and he will give you a new life. And the stories from the scars become testimonies that win others, amen? And so number three, the other wild women and Scripture and those that have done great things are women of the womb. The Bible tells us in this particular story that this woman came to the well at noon. I don't don't know if you know why she did that, but she was a scarlet woman. She had had five husbands, and the one she was with was not her husband. The sixth one, she was living with him, and She was hiding those things. She was not welcomed among the ladies of the community. Often what would happen is the women of the community would gather in the market square, and they would all share stories about their children and things going on, and they would do this early in the morning. And an early morning trip to the well was very blessed because the women coming together, it protected their reputation. They were never thought of as being with someplace else or alone. It protected their reputation. It also allowed them to socialize, have the ability to share, and do and, and and be strong in the things of of caring for one another and there was there was this love that often was there and so they would gather and they would go to the well together as women in the morning and often in the evening to get water at Jacob's well and, and you see also the the reason why they gathered and went together was because it was for protection they couldn't be attacked by a wild animal or something else because they were in a group it was harder but if you singled one woman out then obviously she's going to the well at the the high hottest point of the day and she's and she's seeing she's seemingly going there so that she will not meet anybody else because she's going at noon and so she gets to the well and to her surprise there was a Jewish rabbi sitting on the well I want you to know that whenever you think that God can't find you and when you think you've hidden away far enough and when you think that nobody wants you Jesus will show up in your situation when everybody else pushed you out and rejected you and you couldn't be a part of the crowd I want you to know, maybe, just maybe God set you apart and made you peculiar so that he could meet you at a well somewhere. He knew what he was doing when he met her at noon. He knew what he was doing when he called her and he planned for that meeting even though she didn't know it was coming. And so she said, he said, give me to drink. And she's like, you don't have a bucket. They go through the whole story. And they're like, how do you draw from a deep well if you have no bucket? And he's like, hey, I am the living water. And if you look in the margin of your Bible, if you have a, a Bible that is Thompson Chain referenced, it references John 7, verse 38. And that is what I want to speak to you for just a few more minutes about. And that is that women of the womb, women that are able to give birth, or women that give birth to a child know what it's like to fight for some things if you want to mess with somebody uh, mess with their children you'll see mama bear come out really quick anybody know what I'm talking about? You can you can do anything you want, but the second you touch some of them babies, here comes Mama and she will tear you up. That is that is part of that that maternal, that that instinct of a mother, but there's something in the scripture that's very powerful. If you go to the text in John 7 and 38 from Immediate Team, I want you to see something. He says, He says, If thou knewest the gift of God, and, and I'm reading in this other verse, in verse 10 of, of John 4, but he said, If you knew the gift of God, you would ask me to give you a drink, and I would have given you living water. That word living water links to John seven thirty-eight, which is on the scripture on the screen right now and it says, He that believeth on me as the scriptures has said. In other words, he said, Don't just believe on me. Believe on me the way the scriptures tell you to believe on me, or the way it's written. And then he says, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Oh, that's interesting. You're gonna just gush a river. I don't know what's going on here. This is kinda weird. But what it's actually saying when the word belly there is used, is actually the word um I don't know how to say the Koine Greek. (laughs) It's actually koilea is the way that you'd say it. And it means womb. So in other words, what he's saying is that if you would have known, you would have asked the gift of God for me and I would have given you living water that link goes to this and he says out of your belly will flow or out of your womb will flow rivers of living water or out of the place of birthing will flow blessings from God and you have to understand that when I say a woman of the womb I'm not talking about the ability to have children although that is very important but I'm also talking about the ability to birth things in the kingdom of God and if you pray something into pass if you pray something in it. Intercessionary prayer or in birthing it in prayer, you will fight for it, you will push for it, you will do things that you need to do to protect it, you will do all of these things. And so Jesus finds a woman at the well, and he says, You may not be accepted among everyone else, you may be rejected, in fact, but I want you to know that even though you are a woman of ill repute, I am willing to put my spirit inside of you, and you are going to birth things that others cannot birth. You're gonna give life to things, you're gonna have the ability to speak life through your tongue. You're going to have the ability to give life through your touch. You're going to have the ability to do these things and you have to understand the value of a woman with a womb. The value of a woman that knows how to pray an intercessory prayer. The value of a woman that knows how to go before God and say no, not my children. No, not my husband. No, not my family. No, not the things that the devil and the enemy tries to take from me. There's a place in a woman that makes God go wow when you know how to to pray powerful prayers. You know how to step into God's presence and entreat God with your prayers. That is women that are of worth. That is a woman that knows how to seek God. Jesus took our broken life and used it to bring life, and the first revival in Samaria was from a woman that was rejected by that same city. I don't know about you, but if you read in verse 29, Everything she was doing in this passage of scripture, she used as her testimony for the people of Samaria to receive Jesus. Verse 29, it says, come and see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Oh, pump the brakes. She was at the well at noon so people wouldn't see her. She didn't want to be found. She didn't want to be bothered. She was not accepted, and she was rejected because of all that she was, because of all that she did. And now she's running back into that same city that rejected her, saying, come and see a man that told me everything. That doesn't make any sense, at least doesn't for me. She was the first Samaritan before Philip ever got to Samaria the disciple Jesus sent a little woman with a broken life to change Samaria. And he did it off of her testimony. I'm telling you, if you want to be a woman of worth, you have to understand that God's blood covers everything you were. And he pulls you from worthless to worth. But he's still going to use your story to change the world. He's still going to use your story to change the world. So she was a woman that birthed revival in Samaria. And she brought forth the gospel years before Philip could get to Samaria, come and see a man that told me everything that I was. And yet he didn't judge me. He touched me, but he didn't condemn me. Amen. As a Belgian minister, his name was Father Damien. His name, original name was Joseph D. Vester. And he devoted his life to working among the people in Hawaii. It was a leper colony that they had, the Hawaiian government had moved them off to an island. And he said, if, if you'll let me, I'll go work there. I'll give my life to touching people that nobody wants to touch. Sometimes mothers have to touch things and be part of things that Nobody else wants to touch, amen? (laughs) I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying there's something that happens when a mother knows how to raise up somebody and to lift their life. I know there's mothers in here that come from difficult locations and difficult uh, decisions that were from their past and they're living with consequences, but I want you to know that your children can be blessed if you will give them a touch of love. And if you will speak life over them. Don't tell children. You know, it's funny. I see people that say things and I'm like, you're you don't even know, but you're cursing them with your mouth. Children and people become what you say that they will become. And if you tell your children, you're gonna be, you're gonna be powerful, you're gonna be a, a man of God, a woman of God, you're going to live for the Lord. You're gonna see great things in your life. If you tell them that, they will begin to to put flesh to those words. They will begin to live what you say. They are. And so this priest decided that he was going to build a church and he was going to build a mission for these people that nobody else wanted. And one day as he was cooking a pot of, of hot water, he was boiling some water to make dinner and he dropped it and it landed on his toe. And he realized that he didn't feel it. And suddenly he noticed that he had contracted the very disease of the people that he loved. And he'd ministered and he'd served. And so as his disease progressed, he eventually succumbed to that disease. And in that moment, they the Belgian people saw him as a hero. He went to those and touched those that nobody else wanted to touch. And so the Belgian people, even though he was buried in the island, they asked that they take him from the Molokai Island and they bring him back to Belgium. And bury him there among his people because he was a hero. And so they moved his body in 1965. But in 1995, they requested, the people requested as they were moving the body that they, in 1965 actually, that they take a part of his body and they were like what do you what do you mean I don't understand and some, some believe it was from the right arm and some believe it was just the right hand but they have buried it on that island in Hawaii and they have a they have a headstone to this priest his his whole body's not there they said just give us the hand that was willing to touch us and so i say to you today that you may not be perfect you may not live a life that everybody looks at and goes well that's a great mom but i want you to hear a preacher That does not condemn you, but says, keep touching those babies. Keep serving, keep giving, do whatever you have to do. And even if the world looks at it as how tragic that Father Damien had lost his own life to the very thing he was giving, if you will give your life for your children, Mom, you will see them become great and they will honor you one day. You will have a Proverbs 31 moment where your children look at you and call her blessed. Would you stand with me today? I don't really know how to finish the sermon because I want you to understand the value of a mom, but I also want you to understand the value of a woman in the kingdom of God, that God honors women. And so in 1995, they decided to build a statue, and they built a statue at the National Statuary Museum in the U.S. Capitol of D.C., and they set up this statue to Father Damien Amolokai because he touched the people that he ministered to. He didn't have to go there. He didn't have to do what he did, but he gave his life to save someone's life. Amen? And he saved them forever. I pray that maybe you understand. I I, I don't have the same religious beliefs at times or biblical beliefs of people but I can express to you that the power of touch changed the lives of those people and they wanted just the hand just give us a place of honor where we can honor him that he touched us Hebrews 4 and 15 says some strange words it says for we have not been touched with an high priest that cannot we have a we for we we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted yet without sin i believe today that women of worth know how to touch and change the world when they know how to be touched and changed by god that is the place where we change lives jesus help us today if you pray with me jesus help us today to understand the value of a woman in this place, the value of our mothers that these women of worth walk into lives that they don't even necessarily have a a reason to give a reason to serve but because you served us because you gave your life for us we can be foster parents we can be we can be respite homes we can we can be willing lord jesus to take somebody who was rejected by others and love them and speak life into them and touch them with the love of jesus we can do all of that through our sisters in the church and there's so much value and there's so much need for, our, for those that are women of worth to take their place in the kingdom of God, to be disciples of people, to be living, Lord God, lifestyles that, that can lead to uh, calling people out of darkness and into a marvelous light. I pray that you minister to our women today. I pray that you help them to know that they're of great value. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. That water pot that that woman carried to the well that spoke of rejection, that spoke of midday travel, that spoke of the dangers of walking alone, she left it at the well. She got so excited running to Samaria to tell people about the one who touched her and changed her that she left the very item that spoke to what she used to be at Jesus' feet. That's what you can do. When you touch the world, moms, when you when you pray over your children at night, when you sit down at the table and help them with their algebra, Lord knows why they need it, but if you help them with it, if you touch them in their life, God will help you to help them leave some things at Jesus' feet. And they will forever be changed by the touch of a mother. Thank you for being women of worth. We love you so much. Would you sing this song with us as we close? We're going to worship God together. Where's my women of worship at right now? I'm looking for you to worship the Lord. Come on, let's wow the Lord. Just a few more minutes and we'll close. If you need to step out, I understand. Let's sing together.
1: Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever stay Hallelujah.